Hi, I'm Katrina Ingram. Welcome to Back to School Again, the show for midlife learners recorded at the Norquest College Innovation Studio. We talk with midlife learners about their educational journey, sharing their stories about how they are balancing the demands of school, work, and family, and where they hope their educational pursuits will take them. I'm pleased to welcome Donna Dawson to the podcast today. Donna is both a proud University of Alberta alumnus, where she earned a Bachelor of Science, and she's also a current U of A student studying ethnomusicology. This is quite a big change for Donna, who previously spent 35 years as a public health nurse. Donna, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks very much for having me, Katrina. Now, before we get into your current studies, let's talk about your first career as a public health nurse. Tell me about your younger self's decision to go into nursing as a career, and what was it that drew you towards that profession? Okay, that um, feels like a long time ago. <laughs> Just had a 40-year reunion at Gathering oh, of wow. Classmates, so... Um, I went right out of high school, and I, it's kind of a cliche, but I sort of wanted to public service. I wanted to be have a, a role that made a difference, and so that's what uh, drew me to nursing. And I really wanted to go to university, so the combination, the, the degree I have is a Bachelor of Science in Nursing. So I could uh, study nursing and do it at the university. Right. And were you one of those people that had that clear vision of, I know I want to be a nurse. I know that some people know exactly what they want to be at a very young age. Oh, about grade seven is when I made that decision. So Wow. That was not me. I'm I'm actually kind of envious. (laughs) I think it's nice to have that clarity of purpose. Now, during your time as a nurse, you mentioned that you joined uh, many different musical groups, including the Medical Professional Orchestra. And that sounds really cool. So tell us more about that. Okay. So um, I had tucked away, I studied violin in high school and junior high, tucked away the instrument uh, for some 25 years. And in the um, Nurses Professional Journal, there was an ad for rusty players. So I called the conductor, who is a professional musician. I said, how rusty? And he said, come, come. And next thing I know, he was sending me the music. And uh, I pulled out my violin. And uh, that really reintroduced music in my life to me. Uh, so it's uh, uh, the Edmonton, Profe- uh, Edmonton Medical Professionals Orchestra is made up of in- adults who are either studying an instrument, a stringed instrument for as adults, taking up something new, or people who have tucked it away and then brought it back out again, a mix to, of both people. So. So did you did you guys play gigs as well, or did you just kind of play? Oh, we, we rehearsed regularly at the Glenrose Hospital, so wow. weekly rehearsal, and then uh, there would be concerts and uh, uh, a spring concert and a winter concert, a Christmas concert, and uh, sometimes we will go into nursing homes as well. Uh, so, Interesting. Yeah. And so you, you had literally shelved your instrument for, mm-hmm. for 25 years. Yeah. And, and was that just a consequence of I don't have time for this? Or what was going on for you during that oh, time? Uh, busy with my children and my work. And, yeah. 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 So. It must have been really interesting for you to come back to that after being away for, for oh, such a it, long time. Uh, it was great. It felt good, but it was a bit scary. So yeah. The first concert I'd said to the conductor, I, I, I would prefer to sit behind the curtain if that's okay. <laughs> and he said, if you get lost, just feather, which is a technique for you, <laughs> like uh, air guitar. <laughs> Do you play the violin primarily? Do you have other instruments that you play? Uh, well, I started back with the violin, and then I became involved in drumming and was part of a women's uh, performance hand drum group and did some study jazz improv uh, with um, a teacher in town. And uh, so he helped me uh, get away from just using music. And then um, I moved 
with the drumming kind of into world music and I've uh, picked up Native American flute and uh, also ukulele. I am just uh, in love with ukulele and have so much fun with that. And it's a fun it's, instrument, uh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. At my previous workplace, we had a ukulele group that yeah. met every lunch hour and they had yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I play with that uh, ah, group as well. Oh, wonderful. That, Should we so, give yeah. a shout out to them? All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. C- CKUA ukulele uh, circle on Wednesdays at noon. So they're great. Yeah, uh, they're, they're fantastic. Yeah. Now, you obviously enjoyed your career as a nurse. Uh, you were a nurse for 35 years, and you also loved music. And I know that there's many people who play music on the side. They do it for fun, but they don't take it any further than that. How did you decide to choose to formally study music at the master's level? Um, it's been a, a bit of a process. So uh, unlike my undergraduate degree, my nursing degree, where I forged in and uh, moved as quickly as I could to graduate and be out uh, in the profession. This is a journey for me. And so it started uh, before I finished work. I took a course in uh, music therapy, uh, just a single course introduction to music therapy uh, and enjoyed that. And then within a month of having uh, retired, I was back at university studying um, music for global human development. So that's an undergraduate uh, music course. And then gradually uh, things piqued my interest and started taking more courses. And so now I'm just starting into the master's, but I've actually taken five ethnomusicology courses already since I've graduated. Interesting. And, and that helps me with my next question, because I was wondering about the fact that your, your undergrad isn't in music. And mm-hmm. I was thinking there's got to be some unique challenges in studying something at the master's level without actually having that undergraduate foundational training. But it sounds like you had a little bit of that. Uh, well, my background is quite a bit different from most of the students there. The uh, It's not a prerequisite that you have uh, a music degree. And there are some other students who've come we can think of a couple who are engineers who've come in to study ethnomusicology. So there are times when I feel like I need to do a little peddling, a little back research in order to uh, be understand the music component of it. But it's uh, sort of a combination of anthropology, studying of peoples as, through their music. And so, uh, in fact, the nursing is a, a good background. Right. And it sounds like there are some intersections. Um, you mentioned music therapy. Can you share with us mm-hmm. a little bit more about what is music therapy? Oh, okay. Uh, so music therapy is uh, uh, the use of music for therapeutic purposes. So uh, that's a separate uh, course of study. So I took a one introductory course, but there are uh, baccalaureate and master's degrees for that. Uh, but I've decided to go. That's a little bit uh, clinical, a bit similar to what the nursing was. And so I decided to, to branch into the ethnomusicology rather than music therapy. Right. And ethnomusicology, now that's a term that I've definitely heard before, but I'm not sure I could explain it. Can you tell us more about what exactly is ethnomusicology? Sure. That is the study of uh, peoples through music. It's uh, used sometimes to study people f- uh, far away globally or even locally, and so to get to know the peoples, the culture, uh, through their music. And what kinds of things are you learning about people through music? Are there certain um, are certain ethnicities or nationalities or people groups that you're learning more about specifically, or what are you digging into in your ethnomusicology degree? Uh, okay, so I have looked um, locally uh, in terms of communities, uh, musical communities here, 
uh, also uh, studied uh, ethno- ethnomusicologists who've studied abroad and uh, in depth of uh, so some of the traditional ethnomusicologists will go into a remote community in Africa, say, and study for, uh, be there, engulfed in the culture for five years, learning about that as well. You mentioned people here, and I know that you are quite involved in various local music circles and ensembles, and you said that some of your assignments and project work for your degree involved these groups. So could you go into a little bit more detail about that? Okay. Well, there was a course, um, Music 508, which was music in Canada, and we were asked to, our, our end um, assignment was a performative event where we brought something of our talents to the table, and so I wondered, what would I do? And I decided, well, I love going I'm involved in drum circles and ukulele circles and several different orchestras. I know why I'm passionate about going to these. I wonder why others are. And so I um, used a, an app that the professor had talked about, which takes a still picture in 30 seconds of uh, audio. And I asked individuals uh, in the groups, different groups, what does it mean to you to be part of the tempo orchestra or Edmonton ukulele circle or the uh, Edmonton drum circle? And uh, I was quite blown away by uh, the breadth of responses uh, from everything from brain gym to um, community, this I really feel welcome and in, involved in this community. Uh, another individual said it's a way of communicating and getting to know people non-verbally. And so then I gathered all those responses uh, way more than I thought that I would would get. Uh, people were so keen to participate and put it into a presentation, uh, and that became part of. Uh, everybody had a five-minute clip, and we put it together with a graphic score. So um, that was very exciting to be part of that process. So. That sounds really interesting. And it's also just interesting uh, to hear you talk about the rich musical talents that are here mm-hmm. locally in Edmonton and the wide variety of music that we have here. I think sometimes we don't really think about that, and so it's it's interesting just to hear your perspective on it. Um, I'm kind of curious, are you considering a second career in music, or, or what are your hopes for this master's degree that you're doing? Okay, um, I get often asked that question often, and I'm still uh, allowing the journey to go forward, so uh, I'm not sure where I'm going to end with it. Uh, I think that I might like to add to the discourse of, of uh, around music and the meaning of music, uh, so that... Uh, so that is that research, possibly. But uh, I'm doing this in a part-time basis just because I can and because um, I find the, that I learn better and take more time to uh, actually do the learning. Right. Sounds so, like you're not ruling anything out at this yeah, point. Yeah, so, so it's sort of the antithesis of my process with my first degree is getting get done and get out working. And this is I'm allowing myself to take my time through it and see where it might unfold. Nice. And you bring up an interesting point about, you know, how we approach things um, from a different perspective. When you're younger, perhaps it's all about hustling in and getting it done and getting out there into the workforce. Um, and this time it's, it's a bit different uh, for you. And uh, I want to dig into that a bit more. And I'm, I'm curious about what I, what I think might be a trend that's out there. So you mentioned that you retired from nursing, you're already signing up for courses. And I'm wondering about um, retirement and this whole Freedom 55 model that that we've a- actually been sold that model um, of 
we're going to retire, we're going to sit on the beach, and we're not going to do very much. And I'm seeing quite the opposite. Um, In my past workplace, I worked with many people who were on their second careers. And I'm just wondering what you're seeing as a student. Are you seeing other people like you who are pursuing post-secondary degrees that have essentially retired from their first career? Uh, Within my cohort of classmates, I'm a bit of an anomaly. So I'm a good 30 years plus <laughs> on, on all of the students. So they're, they're mature students, so the classmates, uh, but they're um, not uh, as mature as I. So some, as I say, have other degrees like the uh, engineering that I'm aware of. Um, so within the music uh, community that I'm part of, um, uh, I don't really see others that are finished, have finished a career and then uh, moving on. Do you think it's a missed opportunity? I'm, I'm wondering about universities catering primarily to younger people. Do you think that there is an opportunity to cater to people like yourself who might be interested in pursuing something else after they've retired from their first career? Well, I do think there's a window for that. Uh, um, so that would be, I think the university would be well advised. Now, the professors that I have have all been very supportive and um, encouraging. Uh, so, uh, but on a broader scale, uh, uh, it's uh, would be worthwhile. As I think the uh, people with lots of life experience have lots to add as well. Right. To, uh, are there certain things that universities or post-secondary institutions would need to do differently in order to really reach that market, or is it just a matter of, of messaging uh, out to that market? What's What's been your experience there? I'm not sure. I've, that hadn't occurred to me to look for support or resources, particularly for my demographic. I certainly, around when one's a uh, part-time student, there's very little in terms of uh, certainly financial support available. So I'm still exploring avenues external to the university, as well. But I haven't been very successful in, in that. So that uh, the, the cost is uh, an issue. So it would, would be good to support. individuals around that. It's interesting. My experience is similar as a part-time student um, at the U of A in in that you don't necessarily have access to the same um, level of or amount of programs that a full-time student has. So maybe maybe that's Mm -hmm. one area that um, post-secondary institutions may want to look at if they want to reach more uh, people who are a little bit older. Um, I'm curious about the phrase lifelong learning. It's something that we tend to use a lot. And when you hear that term, what does that mean to you? Uh, trying new things and uh, becoming involved in community, uh, learning through um, community, learning new things. So I guess I've, I've always had a drive to learn the particular nursing one needs to keep up all the time. And I'm, I'm still reading. I have an electronic medical journal that comes to me weekly, and I read a couple articles weekly, although I'm not involved in the nursing at all. But... Um, I just have a drive to be learning. Yeah, it feels like you're really embodying the spirit of lifelong learning. So that's why I was just—I oh. <laughs> was curious about how you how that term hit you. Mm. Um, Donna, you shared that you're in your early 60s and you have grown children and grandkids as well. Have you found your family to be supportive of your academic journey, or are they wondering what's mom or grandma up to with this master's degree? <laughs> uh, well, uh, the, I do. The kids have have asked the question. Uh, my youngest has a master's degree himself, and so he's been really supportive and helps me kind of wind my way through. Um, so, And I, I have friends that 
say, wow, that's great. And others say, what are you thinking? <laughs> you know, so it kind of goes across the gamut. And from your perspective, what's been the most challenging thing for you about going back to school later in life? Online, I guess there's everything is online. And so I felt quite comfortable uh, accessing, but uh, online, but a lot of the readings are online. Uh, the um, assignments, everything is done online. Registration. I, I come from the era when we used to have to actually run from spot to spot, to actually physically in where the class or lab was going to be and register. So now it's all online and sometimes that's smooth and sometimes it's not. <laughs> the um, library system, the librarians are superb. I've had nothing but wonderful support and uh, they're very patient. I'm a frequent flyer at the library, <laughs> so I'm not afraid to, to ask, but uh, that, that whole, the process of learning that way is quite different. So, Tell me more about the online, because I have to say I, I come from a, a similar generation where I remember literally lining up with hundreds of other people to, to <laughs> register for the programs. Mm -hmm. And um, I had some challenges, I, I would say, with some of the online components. Um, I found some of the interfaces weren't as intuitive, and it actually took longer, and I had to wind up phoning people to make sure things were done properly. Yes, what yeah. was your experience like just in getting registered for some of these courses? Uh, well, the, it was funny. Well, for the master's, anyway, they had to pull up my... Um, transcript out of the archives for ancient <laughs> documents <laughs> the whole process but I, I I just keep phoning when I when I get stuck I, I, I phone the the uh, first day of the first class that I started after I'd retired uh, the whole internet went down at the university and so I'm trying to look up things and I'm I, I'm not on campus every day maybe that's the same experience and so I needed to get the materials in order to get rolling on the assignment and and so I entered into a chat and I'd never done a chat before and all caps it's I can't get it to work and and then the reply hello uh, good day and <laughs> it's down and when will we back up I have an assignment <laughs> we're working on it we'll get it as quickly as possible so um yeah some days it is more challenging than others. Wow, but. and that's the thing about technology, internet technology. When it's working, it, it's pretty great. Mm -hmm. But if it goes down, it's it's all down, yeah. all at the yeah. same time. So you talked a bit about some of the the challenges in going back to school in, later in life. What's been the best part of the journey for you? Oh, the the people and uh, the new things that I'm learning, and uh, uh, it just feels really great actually to be on campus. I love uh, going there. And, uh, and spending time just learning. So I'm able, because I'm doing one course at a time, if there's something that I'm interested in, that I'm reading, that I need to maybe look up more about, then I can kind of go off on the sideline and spend some time reading and learning about that uh, and then get back to the topic at hand. So Nice. When you bring up time as well, and I know that some of the other people that I'm talking to, they have young families and time management. It's a real issue for them. And I'm, I'm imagining as someone who's retired, I'm, I'm guessing that you might not have that same problem. But I'm wondering if there are other things that perhaps are competing with your school for your time, friends or family members who want you to visit more or travel with them. I'm just wondering how you do manage your time as you're pursuing your studies. That's a journey for me still that I'm working on that uh, I have not... Uh got the answers for that so I yeah, I do struggle sometimes and if I find myself feeling tired uh, well, the last semester 
uh, the first semester of last year, I took two courses, and one of them was particularly heavy. And so for weeks on end, I was doing readings until one o'clock at night. And uh, uh, then it's like, well, I'm going to put this in perspective and uh, take my time with this. And so I have quite a few uh, community commitments, music commitments, and, and of course my family, my grandsons that I love dearly and want to spend as much time as I can with. So uh, uh, I do have to juggle sometimes, and I have to sometimes look at commitments or gigs and say, well, maybe not that one uh, right now. So. Right. I can completely relate. I'm in two courses right now, and I'm, mm. you know, sometimes I question uh, the rationale <laughs> for <Right>. the <laughs> in signing up for two courses at the same time. Um, are there certain strategies that you use to keep yourself on track? What have you found has, has really helped you with uh, time management? Uh, well, I... Uh, try to work as far ahead as I possibly can. Uh, I will try and get hard copy books if I can. So uh, that seems to help. And then just uh, juggling and making sure my calendar has the dates when things are due and uh, um, that sort of thing. I'm wondering if you have any advice for those thinking about going back to school. And in particular, I'm wondering about baby boomers like yourself who might be retiring from a career, but perhaps they're thinking about that other path they didn't take. What would you say to them? Just do it. Jump in. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and is there anything else that you want to share about your experience so far? Uh, I think it's been a great opportunity. And so I'm very much enjoying it. And appreciate the support of the uh, professors that I've worked with and uh, just uh, looking forward to further exploring. Wonderful. Well, Donna, I want to say thank you so much for coming in today and spending time with us and sharing your story. It's been really great chatting with you. Thank you, Katrina. Thank you for this opportunity. When you think about careers in music or entertainment, a close cousin is the world of hospitality. Hotel management, food and beverage, there's a range of lucrative careers in this booming customer service field. Norquest College can help you take your skills to the next level or fast track a new career with specializations in accounting and finance, food and beverage, rooms division, or sales and marketing. It's a modular program, so you can complete all four specializations or just take what you need to grow your career in hospitality. Learn more at norquest.ca forward slash hospitality. Now back to our show. Listening to Donna share her story made me think about how the baby boomer generation is redefining the concept of retirement. People are living longer and they want to stay engaged. Retirement doesn't look like the end so much as the start of a new chapter in life. At this phase, there's time to explore your interests. Perhaps something that was a hobby or a passion takes a front row seat now. And getting out in the workforce isn't primarily your motivation. Or maybe you still want to be in the workplace, but doing something very different now. It made me think about how we've linked work and education. Increasingly, it seems that education is mostly there to support us getting a job. On the one hand, that's a very practical approach. We need to work, to earn a living, to survive. Yet, If we don't have that constraint, if getting a job isn't your primary motivation, how would that impact your choices? Would you see the value in making such a big investment in learning? Or would you wonder how you're gonna recoup that financial and time investment? Is learning in a post-secondary setting still worthwhile if it's not tied to an economic outcome? 
I think these are really interesting questions to ask and to explore at a greater societal level. I feel like we need to have this conversation. With artificial intelligence on the horizon, our notion of what is a job, what is work, it's going to undergo some really interesting shifts. And if we decouple work and education, there's this whole other market for post-secondary learning, the truly passionate lifelong learners, people like Donna. We've come to the end of season one of the Back to School Again podcast, and I've had some amazing conversations with incredible people. I feel so privileged to bring these stories to you, and I hope you've enjoyed hearing them. Talking with Donna made me feel a little nostalgic about my former workplace, and in particular, the CKUA Ukulele Choir. There's a lot of great professional musicians at CKUA, but what I love about the Ukulele Choir is that it's mostly made up of amateur musicians. And it's mainly the off-air staff, the people who work in fund development, marketing, the volunteer department, and other behind-the-scenes roles. Many of them had no musical training or experience before joining the choir. They're just a group of people who are passionate about music. And I think that's a nice message to wrap up our season, as well as Donna's story, that if you're really excited and passionate about something, Just go and do it. That's our show today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like the show, please give us a rating. It helps other people connect to us. You can reach me at backtoschoolagain.ca or at schoolagainpod on all the usual social channels. I'd love to hear your story. Back to School Again was recorded at the Norquest College Innovation Studio, located on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional homeland of First Nations and Métis peoples. A huge thanks to our sponsor, Norquest College, for supporting the show and to our talented technical producer, Corey Stroder. Back to School Again is proud to be affiliated with the Alberta Podcast Network. Find out more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. See you next time.